I'm Dr. Amy Robbins, and welcome to Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and medium, and here we explore life, death, consciousness, and what it all means. Before we get started today, I just wanted to remind you of the new segment I'm doing uh, about any questions that you might have, so you can email those to ldsbquestions at gmail.com. Also, if you have your own ghost story to tell, please reach out to me. I'm going to start doing those ghost stories again. So I would love to hear your story and be able to read it on my show. Uh, But today I'm excited because we have a special guest today, Krista Gorman. Krista is a physician's assistant who only three weeks after graduating from her PA training program suffered cardiopulmonary arrest and died while in labor with her daughter. During the eight minutes, she was without a detectable heartbeat. Her consciousness transitioned into what we call the afterlife, where she underwent a profound reconnection with the most divine love that she experienced as the universe. Some of her story and the lessons she learned in the afterlife are shared in her book, I Died and Learned How to Live, available on Amazon. Her NDE is also featured in The Transformative Effects of Near-Death Experiences by Dr. Penny Satori and Kelly Walsh, as well as the book Awakened by Death by Karen Swain and Cyrus Kirkpatrick. In 2007, she and her daughter were featured on the program Story of God with Morgan Freeman on the National Geographic Channel episode entitled Heaven and Hell. The episode is now available to view on Netflix. Welcome, Krista. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here today. So can you tell us just briefly what your story is? Because I want to spend most of the time kind of focused on what you experienced, what you learned from it, because yeah. I think that's really where the where the growth happens, right? Exactly. Um, just to ensure, I was uh, I just graduated from my PA program and was induced in labor. And during the induction, my daughter was in distress, so they had to perform an emergency C-section. And while they were prepping me for that, I started having trouble breathing, and it rapidly turned into not being able to breathe at all. I couldn't I couldn't inhale any air, um, and I died. What I recall was sort of passing out, everything started to go black. And then my next moment of awareness was being out of body and looking down and watching as these black particles sort of raced up from where I now know was my body. Although at the time I had no idea of, I had no names for anything I was observing. I I didn't have any identification with anything. I was simply the observer and um, consciousness. I was me, I was Krista, my consciousness. I didn't know that I had died. And I watched these particles come up to where my vision was, and they sort of surrounded me in like a a loose static cloud. And I saw my daughter being born. I saw my my OBGYN deliver her and hand her to somebody at my right side who quickly turned around. And and at that point, I was becoming curious. It was sort of like watching a movie that you've never heard of, you don't know anything about, you don't know what that the, the people in the movie are people and that, you know, what they're doing is, is this or that. I just was becoming more curious. So I, I sort of floated around the room. And as I did that, I, again, was feeling more, more and more curious and more like, I want to know what this is, more attached to it. Whereas before I was very detached from it. At that point, when I had that feeling, I felt a tug to my left and, and I sort of ignored it. Like, I, I no, I don't want to go. And, and it wanted me to go. It pulled harder. 
So I said, okay, I'll go. And I just started moving very super fast out of that space. And, and I went into a bright white flash of space and then into sort of, that sort of just merged into this dense particulate matter that I was. And I was racing along um, imperceptibly. I was, I, I didn't, it almost felt like I was standing, like I was still, but I wasn't there. The side of, I looked to my left and there was the dense particles and at times they would seem almost fluid like where they'd be like a like a fluid area of gray gray white black and then it would turn into the black particles again and all of a sudden i stopped and i had immediate everything is like super fast and i had this download of information and it was just this sort of and it stopped and the base of it all was love and it was the answer to all my questions i've ever had and i just and then i, I was like illuminated like from every part of what I was in that place, I was just filled with the love, this intense, intense, blissful love. And I just was like, oh. <laughs> and then I looked sort of to my right and there was this little white dot of light and, or whiteness. And it was sort of drawing me towards it. And I, I wanted to go. So I started moving towards it. And as I got closer, it got wider and wider and wider. And it was sort of like a, um, a white, misty, um, cloudy circle. And then I saw that there were shadow beings there. And in the front, there was a little boy. And he was smaller than the shadow beings behind him. That's kind of how I knew that he was little, younger. Mm -hmm. And there were like adult sort of figures, the size of adult figures behind him. And he needed my help. And that, this was all through feeling. Everything was through feeling. Like I, right. could, I could see and I could, I could feel like feelings. That was the only, the two senses that I had. He, he wanted my help and I wanted to help him. I didn't, had no idea what he wanted or, or what the nature of it was. And I went into the space and, and these beings sort of fanned out and allowed me in, made space for me. And then I was sort of in the center of it and I looked around and I didn't see the boy. And I was like, oh, where did I felt, where did he go? And then I could feel the energy of these beings. They all needed my help wasn't just a little boy, but they use a little boy sort of to kind of bring me in. Mm. And I wanted, I felt back, like I want, I wanted to help all of them. And then they started to sort of come at me and dart away in one by one. And they were taking my energy and I could feel myself sort of like diminishing in that space. Mm. And I felt, I don't, I don't want this. I want to leave. And I was pulled out of there back into the dense particles. And then I came to very quickly, I came to another opening that was just dark a dark sort of opening and it it opened up into this gorgeous landscape and it was beautiful yellow flowers and rolling green hills and blue sky and there was a rocky waterfall and a and a like an emerald green forest everything was very colorful and i sort of just merged with all of it and it was love and it was bliss and it was eternal and timeless i could have existed there forever and then i was flanked on both sides by what i call my spirit beings angels, guides. They were very tall and thin and they had drapes, like drapey clothing almost is what we would say. There's no words mm -hmm. there. Um, right. But that's what we would say. And, and they communicated through feeling, you can stay here. You can go to what comes next or you can go back. And I could, like I said, I could have stayed there eternally. I didn't know what came after that place and I didn't know what I had left behind. I had no recall of being a human being or even what that was but I chose to come back. And, and as soon as I felt that, I started moving backwards and they sort of turned and communicated, if you choose to go back, we want you to share what you learned here. And I 
felt back okay. And then the next thing I knew, I, I was feeling terrible pain in my chest. That was my, my first memory of sort of coming mm. back. Mm-hmm. So like of being in a physical body. Of being in a physical body. <clears throat> I mean, I don't remember um, any kind of an impact of my spirit returning or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But um, and the interesting thing was that in my uh, initial recovery period in the hospital, I didn't have any, re- any direct memory of my experience, but I had been intubated and sedated, medically induced coma sedated for 36, about 36 hours after this happened. When they brought me out of it, they brought me out of it slowly to see how I was doing um, neurologically because they had no idea how I would be. And I was showing positive signs, so they would reduce the medication a little more, and I was showing positive signs. And when I woke up, it was like I had, you know, absolutely no worries. I was, I was, I had done a 180 as a person, my personality. I had done a complete 180, and everyone thought, oh, it's the medication or this or that. But I truly was like a, a different person. And I didn't have a lot of my memory yet. I didn't know I had been pregnant. I didn't. Oh my God. Recall. So you didn't know you had a child or anything? No, I thought my husband at the time, <clears throat> I thought he was a volunteer in the hospital because he was always there. <laughs> How am I thinking? What a great volunteer. <laughs> he was awesome. He, he never left my side. Right. Um, but I slowly came around and they, I met my daughter for the first time on uh, six days after she was born. And um, I felt like I already knew her. I was just sort of seeing her again mm-hmm. kind of thing. In your book, which is where you tell your story, but also kind of what you learned yeah. during this time. And I hear love a lot, but I wanted to talk, you know, from other people who have had these experiences. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to talk about some of your other principles for daily living yeah. and how people might be able to apply them mm-hmm. in their lives. So you talk about, I only, I picked four. Yeah. Because people should buy the book if they want the other eight. Um, But there's more, more detailed explanation too. Right. Right. And there's other, there's other chapters as well, but um, live in awareness. Mm -hmm. So, so what do you mean by that? Well, for me, again, this is drawing upon my actual, uh, the feeling of my near death experience. That's why I want to emphasize that very, very strongly. We are feeling beings and emotions, Mm -hmm. everything about us is energy. I was pure consciousness. I was pure energy in my NDE. And so that's where I, I, that's what I drew upon when I created this principle. So the awareness part is live in awareness of the incredible energetic being that we are, the powerful um, creators that we are of our lives. The oh my gosh, there's so much about awareness, and there's more in the book. But it's we are love. We are we are the physical manifestation of love, divine love, um, unconditional love, and we have the ability to express that as much or as little as we desire to in this life, and it is everywhere. We are fluid with the divine love of the universe, meaning that. Every single thing that we look at, that we observe with our eyes, that we feel with our heart, that we feel on our skin, everything is love and varying, varying manifestations. And when I heard you just say we are feeling like a light bulb feelings, a light bulb went on for me as a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, 
is this notion of like your experience, right, was full love and you were vibrating at such a high level would be my guess, right? When we're, when we're vibrate, when we're feeling positive feelings, gratitude, love, peace, joy, contentment, any of those, mm-hmm. we're vibrating at a higher level, exactly. right? Exactly. So we are more in touch with our divine self. Yes, exactly. When we're stuck in more negative feelings, we're vibrating at that level. And if we are fully feeling beings, holy shit, Mm -hmm. like that's, that's (laughs) right. Like that's, That's, yeah, that's it. Exclamation point. You are your feeling, right? (laughs) You are your feelings. Yes. And that's where the 12 principles, that's what I created to, to sort of embody in this physical life, that divine ultimate love. Practicing these principles, that's what brings me the closest I can I have gotten, with the exception of sitting in meditation. But with that's the closest practicing these things in my daily life brings me the closest I can be in my in my daily life of functioning of, you know, going to work, driving my car on the highway, um, dealing with with sort of challenging people you know, staying in that space of presence, full presence in the moment, knowing, knowing with everything that I am, that I am divine, I am love, that that's from where everything I say, do, think comes from, then that that's what I was trying to achieve when I created the principles. So the principles are derived directly from how I felt during my NDE and feeling these things and practicing these things brings me closest to my divine self mm. in in the human in well human your divine self in a physical in a, form, in a right? physical 3d world right yeah so when you say live courageously so you have live awareness which sort of looks like what specifically i guess when i talk about living courageously living live aware like live we're going to go back to live awareness. Like what, what are the practices of that? What does that look like? Okay. So let's say I am at the grocery store and I'm walking down the aisle and um, somebody walks by me and they give me a scowl. So here I am a human being with an ego. I can choose to react to that through my ego self and, mm-hmm. you know, give a scowl back or, feel negative feelings towards that person or about that person, or I can remember, remember, re-put together that I am a divine being, I am love, that individual is also equally a divine loving being, only they are not aware or as aware Mm -hmm. in that moment, Mm -hmm. because the next moment may be completely different for them. Right. So there's no judgment. There's no judgment. Yes, it's, right. it's unconditional loving awareness, you know, that, gotcha. that they, are, they are exactly like me, but may not be aware in this moment that they are. So sending them love instead, you know, not taking it personally, not attaching myself to their energy, but simply allowing it and letting it move through me and sending them love in return. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is so much easier. <laughs> I shouldn't say easier. It feels better, it feels right? feels better. better. It's all about right. feeling. How do we right. feel? Yes, because sometimes that's hard to do, but ultimately it feels better. Right. Our ego likes to get in the way. 
Right. So, okay. So let's talk about living courageously because mm-hmm. obviously putting yourself out there with this book was that. I feel like me putting myself out there with my podcast was that. What do you, what do you mean? Well, living courageously, I, and I have to say, I initially had, had um, put, I had written it as live fearlessly. However, I, I like to emphasize the positive and, you know, a, a healthy amount of fear is in the, in the situation where it's useful to us, where it serves us is absolutely necessary. However, well, and I also think you can't, it's not about living without fear. It's about recognizing that you have fear and still doing it anyway. Courage. Right? Like, exactly. exactly. That's courage. And, and the courage part, you know, and like you had mentioned, stepping outside of our comfort zones, sort of being vulnerable in this life with our relationships, being vulnerable with ourselves is, is, is courage. It's the practicing of courage, you know. And fear, courage is the opposite of fear. Fear equals ego. So when we're living courageously, we're walking through the fear. We're walking through our ego, casting it sort of aside, not giving our attention to it, rather giving our attention to what it is that we desire for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that in and of itself, when it's not harmful to us, is incredibly loving. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the one thing as a, as a working mother um, and my career starting, you know, three weeks before my daughter was born as a, as a phys- physician assistant trained in science, I rejected my NDE for a long, long time um, before I finally integrated it into my life. And that was through, because I was so afraid mm-hmm. now, through allowing my true self to come forth in this life, I have received so much in return, so much goodness in return. And I've proven myself wrong as far as all the things that were holding me back. I was making excuses. Um, you know, afraid of that judgment was the, was the top of the list. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I was judging myself. Right. So as soon as I stopped doing that, and said, okay, Christy, you're going to be authentic with this. You're going, it's no holds bar. You're going to, you're going to share this. And the first thing I did was write my book. And I, how I got to Morgan Freeman was I left my book in the bookstore at the International Association of Near-Death Studies annual meeting in Newport Beach in 2014. I left copies there just to, for them to just do it, you know, give them away. Someone walked through there as she was waiting to go to the airport and my book caught her eye and she wasn't intending to buy anything, but she picked it up and she's like, I'm going to buy this book and read it. She didn't know who I was. She went back to Seattle, brought it to the IAMS meeting there. Somebody there said, oh, I, let me look at that book. I know everybody in the IAMS community. I don't know her. What is she about? Looked at the book, liked what I identified with what I had written. And she happened to be the, the scout person for Morgan Freeman's production company for his show, Story of God. They were looking for somebody who had an NDE and asked Kimberly Sharp uh, to help them. And she immediately called the person and said, you've got to contact Krista. I think she's your girl. And they reached out to me. And who's closer to God than Morgan Freeman? I mean, isn't he God? Like in every movie out there? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that was an incredible platform to 
share that love is all there is. Mm -hmm. And that's, I had the opportunity to do that. And it, it was through other people, through synchronicities, but ultimately the universal love that helped to bring that about. But I walked through, through my fear and that had to happen first. Right. And had you never written the book and told your story, none of that would have happened. Yeah, right? exactly. Live spiritually. So that idea is that there is more to, to life than meets the eye. Um, there are these unseen by the physical eye forces that are at work around us, in us all the time, helping us, supporting us, guiding us. And the idea of spirituality can be a reverence for that in and of itself. Spirituality can be a feeling of reverence for God or for Allah, for any kind of, of you know, um, higher being that we choose, but to sort of identify and acknowledge that the spiritual, um, there is spiritual existence of every, of all these entities all around us all the time that are there for us to support us is just another sort of piece to this, this pie of the 12 principles that make up the greater idea or experience of the afterlife. So it's really that there are external kind of entities, because how I read it was a little bit different, but hearing you explain it is that there are sort of these external universal supports. Yes. That we have to lean into that are there, that we need to trust will support us. Yes, that's one part of it. Yeah. Okay. And the last one is, well, not the last one, but the last one we're going to talk about is live miraculously. <laughs> I love this one because, oh my gosh, the, the feeling of awe, you know, when, when we witness something that we just say, think, you know, our thinking mind says that defies every known idea of how things are supposed to be to me. Mm-hmm. That is miraculous. Well, there's, there's those kinds of, you know, big sort of miraculous things that we experience, but then there's also the little, you know, miracles in the mundane, as we say, there's every, every little thing that we do is on some level miraculous because we're here. We, we exist. We're present on this, in this body. Our energy is manifest in this body. And that in and of itself is a miracle. And feeling feeling the the feeling of awe is sort of a uh paying homage to the divine because mm-hmm. it's through the universe universal love universe is love it's through that love that that happening occurs and when we feel that feeling of of miraculousness or awe at something we are directly channeling that divine love that Amplify that 3D feeling of awe or, or miraculousness by an infinity. And that's what the afterlife feels like. So that feeling or noticing the small miracles could be something as, I don't want to say mundane, but like me looking at my little son who's six and just like thinking, holy cow, like, you're like a human that I made, <laughs> that you made somehow, right? Like exactly. I have those moments and 
I want to be clear. Like I don't walk around every day being like, oh my God, this is all miraculous. Like I have moments um, where, or just looking outside and seeing like the buds on the trees. Like they could be really simple, right? Oh, absolutely. And it, it evokes this feeling of appreciation. And that state of appreciation is like resistant free. There's no resistance Mm. there to anything. There's peace in that moment. There's love in that moment. There's contentment. And and that's what we're here to experience. Mm -hmm. Stringing those moments all, you know, together is what creates life. And what creates a... I, I don't love the happiness phrase, but a joyful exactly. existence, we're, right? We're here to live in joy and mm-hmm. enjoy, to enjoy mm-hmm. life, embody that joy. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Um, okay, so I want to talk about fear a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's April 2nd. Mm-hmm. For people who are maybe going to listen to this like a year or two from now, it's we are in the midst of the coronavirus COVID-19 crisis. Mm-hmm. Lots of people are living in fear. Mm-hmm. And you lived in fear before your NDE. So how do you recommend that people move away mm-hmm. from living in their fear? And I would say ultimately they're living in their fear of death, right? Like that's to me what this is bringing to the surface for everybody. No one's... I haven't read anything that says that. I've read a few things, but that it's either I'm going to die or my loved ones are going to die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that, you know, we sort of, in times like this, we face our, almost face our own mortality in ways. You know, there's the denial factor, initial denial factor where we say, oh, no, 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 that can't happen to me. And then we say there's sort of a little bit of acceptance and we're like, okay, well, Yes, it can. I'm hearing all these stories on the news and whatnot. Um, so maybe I should avoid crowds. You know, then we start to we start to sort of do the things that are recommended, but we're still afraid of not doing them. You know, we're still in that fear state. So as I would, you know, there's such varying degrees, but ultimately the fear of death is something that I agree is is there, and it's the motivating factor for for most people during this crisis, the thing that I would sort of recommend for folks is to, if, you're, if you tend towards feeling fear, remove the things that, that tend to evoke that feeling in you. So if you feel like you have to stay informed, then stay informed, but restrict it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's very simple things that, that we need to follow. Um, you know, for our own personal protection and the protection of others. So the, you know, the hand washing um, a lot, staying inside, except for going out for essential things or going for a walk or whatever is recommended in your area. And then just listening to the alerts. Don't keep the news on 24-7 mm-hmm. and allow that fear to keep feeding, you know, what you already have going. Because fear is contagious. Absolutely. It's an- I would argue the fear is probably more contagious. And, and is, is fear sort of, I, I think this is the case, I'm curious what you think, is sort of the lowest vibration we can be in is fear. Yes, it's a low vibration. And again, for me, fear equals ego. So we're mm-hmm. in an ego state because fear leads to the feeling of wanting to control circumstances. Right. Yep. And we don't need to control circumstances. 
So the more that we can move away from our, our attention away from those things that evoke that feeling of fear in us, that we're not just serving ourselves, but we're serving our family because our family picks up on our fear energy. The heart gives mm -hmm. off a, a vibration. Mm -hmm. You know, there's the heart is a brain of our body mm -hmm. and the heart gives off a, 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 an energy when we feel fear. It gives off an energy when we feel love, it gives off an energy when we feel disgust, you know, all mm -hmm. joy, all these things. And, and the hearts of those around us feel that too from us. And they may be resonating with that or they may not be resonating with that. But if they're unaware, they can start resonating with that. Mm -hmm. you know, so it's, it spreads just like a virus. Mm -hmm. And in this society, as we are right now, we, we are born into an ego-driven society. That's sort of the, the prevailing um, energy when, although we are, we're the embodiment of love at the same time, as we grow older, that fear, that ego gets fed with experiences that, that sort of energize it. And it grows in various proportions based mm -hmm. on your experiences and your tendency, mm -hmm. right? So then... And your connection to it. And your connection to it and versus your connection to your divine being, your divine self. So, you know, there's always two sides. It's always that yin-yang thing. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, during this crisis, uh, my, to live, to move away from the fear, to feel less fear needs to be sort of um, directed by our awareness of the fact that we, there are specific 3D things we can do to prevent the virus from manifesting in, a, in our bodies. Mm -hmm. And that the rest of it is going to manifest as it's meant to manifest. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really hard for people is to relinquish that control mm -hmm. and trust mm -hmm. that the universe is unfolding in the way that it's supposed to. Exactly. Have faith. Mm -hmm. And the power of, and that might mean that you lose a job or you, that's not to, I don't want to diminish that, uh -huh. um, but that you could lose a job or lose someone you love. Those are really going to be life-changing mm -hmm. experiences. But when you resist it, it doesn't make it any less painful when it happens. No. Or no. if it happens. Yes. And, and how do we know it's going to happen? Mm -hmm. And, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, the world is a place where we have tragedy, we have, we have beauty, we have, you know, fear, we have love, we have those, those opposites, we live in a field of opposites. And what is it you're going to intend? You know, that's what I would challenge listeners to. What is it you are going to choose to intend for yourself in this moment? How do you want to feel? So do those things, whatever it is, do those things or be those things that you know will put you in that place of feeling the way that you want to feel. Mm -hmm. You're not a victim. I'm, I'm like taking notes on which quotes I want to go back to. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my last question I've started adding this. I like to switch things up a little. What do you think matters most in the end? Ooh, nothing other than love. Love is So does that matters. mean who you love? Does that mean loving yourself? Does it mean all of that? Everything. Love is everything mm -hmm. in varying forms, vary, to varying degrees. It's whatever it is that, that we choose to, whatever 
um, energy we choose to to give it in terms of the uh, influence it has over us. It can be, you know, I can I can hug my dog and feel tremendous love. Mm-hmm. I can hug my dog and feel a little bit of affection. Mm-hmm. You know, it depends on where I am in that moment, but. In the end, that's what I, that's what I did learn um, in my NDE is that it is, that love is all there is. Love is all I was. Mm. I was pure love energy mm-hmm. when I, when I crossed over, as we say. And well, mm. yeah. And what a beautiful way to end oh, this yeah. interview. So uh, if people want to find you, can you let them know where other than Netflix, <laughs> yeah. which, which would be a great thing to do right now. Oh, yeah. I'm sure people have all the time to, well, not all the time, but I don't know, every night I'm like, what could we watch on Netflix? <laughs> I know. If you're binge watching, um, right. the, the episode is Heaven and Hell, by the way, for okay. Story of God. So that's, that's where my, mm-hmm. and my daughter's on it too. So um, it's really cool. Um, but, you know, I'm sorry, what was your where where people can find you? Oh, where they can find me. Thank other you. than that, other than on Netflix, KristaGorman.net. <laughs> uh, that's my blog site. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I'm um, on Facebook, Krista Gorman um, PAC. I have a Facebook page, uh, PA hyphen C, um, and then I also just have my regular Facebook page, and people are are welcome to come and visit. Um, Twitter, Krista underscore Gorman, and then I have K Gorman. Or no, I'm sorry. Krista Gorman 717 on, um, on Instagram. Okay. Well, and all of that will also be posted in my show notes as well. So okay. thank you so much for your story, for your time, and for sharing your beautiful energy with us today. Thank you so much. This is great. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Curious about what comes next and what it all means? You can subscribe on iTunes. Just go to podcasts and find life, death, and the space between and hit subscribe. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Amy Robbins. Ask me any questions you might have. Let me know what else you'd love to hear about or just share your story. I can't wait to hear from you.